your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. All right, it's a Victory Monday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. Follow me on Twitter at Pat Sports Guy. Follow Cammy, Cammy and G. Follow the show, Locked On Horns, or follow us on Instagram, Locked On Longhorns. Uh, Cammy, it's a, like I said, it's Victory Monday. You got to be excited. Texas finally got on the field at Darrell K. Royal, Texas Memorial Stadium, and got a win, and it was close. Touch <laughs> and go for about two seconds, and then Sam Ellinger found Joshua Moore in a 78-yard strike. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I'm pretty pumped about that game still, and there's several different uh, factors, I guess, that went into that game that surpassed my expectations. So, And I think that's the same for anyone that was watching that Texas team. So you almost had to, like, slap yourself uh, when you saw a couple of those play calls calling me, like, am I watching the Texas Longhorns right now? So. Um, yeah, it's definitely a fun and electric Monday, I would say, after that. Cammy, What's up? We are the air raid now. <laughs> that was one of your best tweets of the game. But, um, yeah, I mean, Sam Ellinger completed, I mean, or I guess threw touchdown passes to seven different receivers, including who we've wow. been uh, kind of joking about to walk on wide receiver Kai Money because that's just a really cool name. But uh, that's just absurd, throwing a set, throwing touchdown passes to seven different receivers. So, Or uh, I well, guess uh, technically Thompson had Eagles in Washington. So, or right. was, it Ellinger, was it Ellinger or Thompson for Washington? I know it was I, Thompson for Eagles. Yeah, yeah. So Thompson had two. Uh, yeah, Ellinger so had five. Both of them. yeah, so I guess um, what I'm meaning is like, Basically, Yursich, and he was spreading yep. the ball around literally all over the field. It was it was delightful, I should say, to finally be able to see that. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, I don't know if you follow Adam Lunt. Um, he kind of had the same thought process I did uh, when watching that game. That throw from Ellinger to Moore was a staple in the Yursich offense in the Mason Rudolph, James Washington time. Because even Adam Lutz, like, he goes, I've seen that play 30 times. Like, that mm-hmm. throw to Washington, uh, it was the same thing, Ellinger to Moore. So, you know, that's like, that's one of his things. He likes running that slant, uh, get your best receiver in space, miss tackle right off the bat. And then uh, the way that they had spread out the defense, there's nobody behind him. So oh, yeah, Moore he put on the wheels. So he took yeah. off. Yeah, so that was exciting. Uh, obviously, we we – thought we were going to see a lot of running mm-hmm. especially in the second half but they just continued to throw it um you know yeah, but was- I, yeah I, I i guess what i would think um what we were looking for is kind of how they uh split the carries around between the uh, top three roshan Keontae, and um obviously Bijan. and it was he got interesting. In there early yeah he was he got in there a bit earlier than i expected um and Roshan obviously was the one who walked on with the starters first so I don't know if that's important for anyone even though it's going to be running back by committee but uh, Roshan had one less carry than Keontae and then um, Bijan just had three less than the both of them so uh, it was split pretty evenly for me I thought it would be uh, either one of the two Keontae or Roshan getting bulk, bulk of the carries but obviously it was against UTEP so we can't really judge too far into that but uh, yeah it seemed like they're, they're going to use all three of them pretty heavily you know, and they didn't really get, um, you know, they didn't really get too much into the run game like I thought they might, mm-hmm. uh, you know. But, you know, a lot of times in these situations where you're, where you're talking about running versus throwing, 
your success dictates what you do. So if you are finding a lot of success throwing the ball, and obviously they did, why stop? You you just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, they're going to need to rely heavily on those three running backs throughout the season, especially during conference play. So, yeah, like you mentioned, I don't think they technically needed to use them too much against UTEP. And um, obviously you don't want to open your whole playbook against a team like that either. So um, I understand kind of why they did what they did. But like you mentioned, Bijan went in there a bit earlier than I expected. And uh, obviously we're due. I thought we'd see Jordan Whittington uh, a little more. or We'd see them be creative with him, not just in the slot, but obviously he suffered that knee injury. So um, that really worries me because he's constantly been hurt since he's been on campus. So um, I know he even had a couple stingers or whatever throughout uh, fall camp this year. So, yeah, that, that worries me quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I get that. Um, I definitely get that. But can we talk about Kai Money for a minute? Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the legend? I mean, how, how do you think he's feeling walking around campus right about now? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's getting girls on Twitter, like trying to hit him up. Uh, you know, maybe he can find a date this Saturday. They're not going to be playing. Uh, so maybe he can find a date on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if you pay attention, but uh, Pro Football Focus now has a college division. And they put out their grades. And Kai Money actually had the seventh highest grade among Texas <laughs> Longhorns who played at least 20 snaps. Wow, yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, he had four receptions for 26 yards, uh, average about six and a half yards a catch. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that was the biggest shock because obviously no one has mentioned his name leading up to that game. He wasn't even listed on Texas uh, initial depth chart uh, prior to UTEP. So that kind of came out of no, nowhere, I think, for everyone. But it is uh, it is a very feel-good story, and it's funny how they're all handling it on Twitter and the players and fans and things like that. And even Money joined into it himself. So um, I think we probably – or I guess realistically won't see much more of him uh, in conference play, but I thought that was pretty cool for him and a, and a fun moment for the whole team, I would say. What's even better – I just want to say right here on the Locked On Longhorns podcast, happy birthday, Kai Money. You mm-hmm. had your, your moment of fame right before your birthday. Couldn't have gone better for you. But let's talk about Sam Allinger real quick. Uh, obviously a big day. He went 25 of 33, 426 yards, five touchdowns. Most of that damage in the first half. Getting a 45 to 3 lead. Setting career highs in yards and touchdowns. And that's I think that's my big takeaway there is one game with Mike Yersich in in control and Sam has the biggest game of his career and he did it in a half. I know that is literally unheard of. We knew he was going to come out ready to roll this season, especially with everything going on. And uh, he just has that competitive fire. And I think mixed with Yersich and how aggressive he is as a play caller, they're just going to, I think they're going to mesh very, very well. And I don't think that was something that you can just be like, oh, well, it was just UTEP. I think, I mean, they looked very, very crisp, especially Ellinger in the air. So um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously record breaking in terms of Texas history and a half. So that was, yeah, like I mentioned, unheard of. Uh, and uh, just for those listening, Cammy did take UTEP plus 43 and a half. She I didn't did. take Texas cover. Uh, Texas, I, 40 is too high. Time. Yeah, 40 is yeah, just a little too high for me. It, it is. It's it's really high. Uh, you know, but due to Ellinger setting those records, obviously, big game for him. Uh, the Walter Camp Foundation named him their offensive player of the week, uh, which is the second time that. Uh, Ellinger has earned that uh, the last time. Uh, I think you know the game, 2018, October 7th, Texas, Oklahoma, Red River rivalry. 
he accounted for almost 400 yards total offense, five touchdowns that game, including mm-hmm. three rushing. Uh, That's that, the Dicker that was, game. The Dicker game. That exactly was the Dicker game. Uh, but, you know, huge game for Texas, and we're probably going to talk even more about this game throughout the week, obviously, because there's a bye week. They got Texas Tech coming up. Uh, but let's uh, let's switch gears real quick and uh, let's get into ESPN's updated win probability and FPI rankings. Very interesting. And we're going to take a look around the Big 12 and see what happened on Saturday. Now, I want to tell you about our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is fantastic. I love their flavors. They've changed the way that I look at eating healthy. In years past, you know, you, you look at, oh, I got to, you know, I need my energy. I got to work out. I could do my post-workout snack. Uh, and sometimes you would grab one of those energy bars. And I don't know, it's it's hard to chew. It's It's got this chalky flavor. You don't get any of that with Built Bar. Built Bar is a great tasting, healthy candy bar is how I like to put it, covered in 100% chocolate. They got their 12 original flavors. They've added six new 18 different flavors. Why don't you head on over to BuiltBar.com, get you one of those boxes, and try each one out, and let me know what you think. And if you go to BuiltBar.com and you've got promo code locked on, they're going to give you $10 off your first box. I know I need it. I know, especially during this pandemic, and I'm trying to stay healthy, trying to lose some weight. This is great for you if you're trying to lose weight, maintain weight, and it's great for the keto diet. You know, I know a lot of people are doing that keto thing, so Get your Built Bar. It helps you out. Once again, BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN. Let them know your buddy over at LOCKDOWN Longhorn sent you. Amy, how much do you pay attention to football power index? Honestly, not too much. I think that's kind of all, um, I guess, in game, I guess. But um, I think it's pretty noticeable for Texas today. Uh, it's very noticeable for Texas State, but yeah, who cares about all that that stuff about you know nerd talk and analytics? Who's got time for that? Oh wait, it benefits Texas. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. I uh, mean, I, I think the jump today is what is worth, I guess, discussing, and obviously the probability and win percentage and things like that. I think that's always interesting to keep up with, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't think it necessarily uh, factors too much into, I guess, the outcome of particular games, but. I don't know. I think they're pre- pretty realistic today for Texas. Well, you know, so uh, over at LonghornsWire.usatoday.com, I keep up with the FPI, and I'm providing weekly updates. After a game, after a game week, I should say, even, you know, if Texas doesn't play, I'm going to get the updated because I want to see how it changes from week to week. Uh, so last week when we did it, Texas had a ranking of eighth in the FPI. Uh, their rank was 19. Uh, their percentage to win six games, 97.1, 36 point, uh, or 39.6% to win the conference, 294 to make the playoffs, and 3.5 to win the national championship. Tammy, this is nuts. I know. <laughs> this week, they are fifth in the FPI with a ranking of 20.1. They are tied with the defending national champions, LSU Tigers. Yeah, that's, I mean, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but obviously the hype is definitely there for Texas. I think everyone witnessed the talent and I guess most importantly, the depth at nearly every position there on the field. So yeah, I mean, the sky's the limit for them. We've seen a couple of 
big time analysts actually picked Texas to make the college football playoffs. So I don't think that's necessarily out of the question. Um, the 3% for, to win the national championship. I mean, it's cool that they, they put Texas in the mix for that, but that's obviously a very small number. Well, hold on. Let me give you the updated numbers. Okay. Six wins this year. It's now up from 97 to 99.3%. They are now okay. giving Texas a 51.7% chance to win the Big 12. I think that honestly should be a little higher. That's up 12% from last week's numbers. Their college football playoff percentage went up from 294 to 42.5%. Oh, okay. That was a big jump. Win the national championship, they almost doubled it. It went from, okay, not almost doubled it, but it went <laughs> up 3.5% to 5 0.8%. I think the most notable there is probably the college football playoff uh, percentage of making that. I think that's kind of the big one to watch. Yeah, going up 12. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. 12%. That's huge. Uh, so in looking at their FPI, they also have their win probability for each and every game. So I went through their schedule, their remaining schedule. Last week, they had Texas Tech game for texas to win at 79 percent mm-hmm. it's now at 91.5 oh yeah that's, that's that was uh, the single almost a no-brainer yeah that was the single biggest jump the second okay. biggest jump was texas versus oklahoma it was that's, basically a toss yeah that's one that surprised me 49.9 percent was the chance last week they're now at 60 so uh, barely favored, but I mean, obviously Oklahoma had a decent showing um, against Missouri State, I believe. So yeah, that's pretty significant. That was significant. Uh, you can also uh, throw in the Iowa State game went up by nine percent. Yeah, because they lost, so I get that. Kansas State went up nine, almost ten percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but those teams lost, so I kind of expected a big jump there. I was more, I guess, shocked at the Oklahoma win probability that went up because they looked pretty strong without uh, several key players uh, this past Saturday. So, yeah, I still think that game's a toss-up. It, I mean, it, it still could be. I mean, if you look at the betting odds, I think Oklahoma's still a two-and-a-half-point favorite uh, a month out. So, you know, that number's going to change. But right mm-hmm. now, it's two-and-a-half. But I, I thought it was interesting that, the Longhorns have gone kind of from the eight and two projected record to a perfect ten and zero based on one. Yeah, now, yeah that's a little too early for that for me. I don't think this is necessarily an overreaction. Um, you know, it's just computer simulations factoring yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but let's talk about the Big Twelve. Obviously, uh, Oklahoma. They had a huge win, forty-eight to nothing. Uh, Spencer Rattler looked great in his first game. Uh, there was a lot of hype around him. Uh, West Virginia, uh, they blew the doors off of Eastern Kentucky. No shock there. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the shocking ones. And not the losses yet. We're not going to get there. Okay. Texas Tech got a two-point win over a program that's only been playing football since 2013. <laughs> hey, those are your boys over there in Lubbock. So uh, I don't know what's going on with them. Texas Tech, they absolutely um, – I, I don't even know how to put it. I, For lack of a better word, what? They were terrible. I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna, I'm just gonna put it that way. Uh, they're they were 40 point favorites in this game. Good lord, I didn't know that. 
40, um, and, and they win by two. Uh, they couldn't tackle anybody. Uh, that, that quarterback there uh, threw for almost 600 yards. They had 600 yards of offense. He threw for, I think, 557. Mm-hmm. Check this out. Caden Stern's younger brothers, Josh and Jareth, they combined for over 300 yards receiving and three touchdowns in that game. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And you're talking about Sam Ellinger just coming off of a monster game against UTEP. You think he's not licking his chops, looking at that <laughs> Texas Tech defense going, oh, I'm about to have some fun with this. I agree, but at the same time, we know how Texas is with their consistency. They always play sometimes, not always. Uh, they have the spoiler games that we've mentioned, so I think anyone in the conference can be a spoiler at any time even someone like Kansas or Kansas State or TCU. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'd be very surprised if Texas doesn't win by at least probably 21 to 30 points that game. So um, I think we kind of predicted Texas Tech to finish near the bottom of the Big 12 uh, by the time it's all said and done. But I think they're even worse than we originally thought. Uh, I mean, it's a rough start for Matt Wells in his second year at Texas Tech. I mean, obviously he went 4-8 and eight last year, lost a bunch of games by one score, but – uh, I, I don't know. Looking at that team, I, I many expected them to be a lot better because they had all those graduate transfers come in, including the kid from LSU mm-hmm. uh, that was going to play safety for them. Uh, but but they looked terrible. They the, there was there was no energy uh, on defense. They were missing tackles. Uh, I, it's amazing that they were able to pull out that win. And I, I think the only reason they did is because Houston Baptist actually missed a two point conversion there with I think four minutes left in the game to tie it up. Oh, wow. That was very close. It was was really close. So, and they even had like a 35 to 20 lead at one point in that second half and, and, and barely won 35, 33. Uh, You know, that, that's tough. They met, they had a couple drops. I think they they could have scored more points, but um, you know, overall it it wasn't a very promising win for Matt Wells in the 2020 campaign. Uh, But let's talk about the teams that didn't do so well. Uh, we had Kansas State, Iowa State, and Kansas all dropping games against the Sun Belt. Arkansas State, um, they got that that receiver for Arkansas State was fantastic uh, against Kansas State, and and you know he's a guy that a lot of people think is going to be a, a an NFL draft uh, guy to watch this year. So Kansas State drops a close one. Uh, Iowa State wasn't even close. Yeah, that that game was the most shocking Big 12 game of any of them for me. I I truly, and I know most of our predictions, kind of predicted Iowa State to uh, be one of those black horses for the, uh, or dark horses for the um, Big 12 title. And so we thought they would maybe finish around fourth in the Big 12 uh, behind Oklahoma, Texas, and Oklahoma State. So that was, yeah, that was really shocking to me. And Purdy looked absolutely awful and uh, the coaching just wasn't there. They completely uh, gave up the game at the end there. So I, that, I, was, that was awful. I think uh, just watching the game, uh, when I was watching it, it almost looked to me like Iowa State quit in that game. I mean, just absolutely the, they broke the will of, of the Cyclones in that game. Brock mm-hmm. Purdy looked terrible. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of people had these conversations, you know, before the season about how Brock Purdy was better than Sam Ellinger. And I watched that game and I go, this is your quarterback? Exactly. This is your guy? And he and, was awful. Yeah, and we heard all about how him being the perfect pro-style quarterback and he was going to have a great season. And then he just comes out and flops. And so I'm, I'm, I can probably bet that they had him uh, rated higher as a draft prospect than Sam Ellinger. So I think that's probably going to change soon. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of um, 
the Sam Ellinger, uh, you know, the the three quarterbacks that I heard the most, like compared comparably to each other, I guess, Sam Ellinger, Brock Purdy, and then uh, obviously Jamin Newman, who opted out from Georgia. You know, those are three quarterbacks I heard a lot of. And, uh, you know, if you got to tear them right now, uh, Sam's one, Jamie's two, just because he didn't play, and then Brock is number three. Uh, when you're looking at those three quarterbacks, so you know that that was a tough one all the way around. Um, that was that was a tough pill to swallow for Iowa State fans, and then obviously Kansas looking for redemption against Coastal Carolina, and it just didn't have it. I mean, Coastal Carolina jumps out to a big 28 to three lead and hold on to that game, and uh, they Kansas may not win a game this year. Yeah, I mean, we typically say that often, so I'm not too surprised. Well, normally they, there's a game or two that they can win, and normally it's non-conference, or mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they'll sneak up and bite bite one, you know, in in the Big Twelve. But I, I don't know. I just I didn't see it. The quarterback, you know, they played a couple of guys in that game, and I don't know they just never seemed to build any continuity. And and obviously, mm-hmm. Colts of Carolina took it right to them. Uh, as I said on Saturday, Sun Belt, Fun Belt, they uh, they totally took it to the Big Twelve, going three and zero in those games. So overall, yeah. the Big Twelve went four and three on Saturday. Uh, uh, we had three blowouts, and then the uh, Texas Tech game. So that was a tough one. But we're gonna get into BJ Foster here in a minute and uh, talk a little bit about the upcoming Big Twelve games this weekend. There was a lot to be excited about on Saturday night, Cami. There was. And then there was BJ Foster. <laughs> I mean, at this point, the way the offseason has gone, we should be shocked when there's not an issue happening in the secondary. So in the latest episode of As the Longhorn Turns, BJ Foster reportedly quit on the team during the third quarter. That was yeah. reported by oh, Anwar no. Richardson on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. And then Chip Brown of 24-7 said he was with the team in the lifting session. And then late Sunday night, Anwar Richardson says that he's going to stay with the team. He's yeah, meeting and- with the staff, and they're going to decide on his future. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, his immediate future. So I'm assuming, like, obviously I think Herman would take him back, um, open arms, things like that. I think Foster probably had one of those frustrating heat-of-the-moment decisions uh, with playing time, of course, because it was reportedly due to his lack of playing time against UTEP. And uh, Chris Brown, honestly, probably beat him out for uh, the starting role in, in fall camp. And so, I mean, you have a new coaching staff coming in that isn't going to guarantee your starting role uh, ever, regardless of what your past production was or regardless of whether you were a five-star prospect or not. That's all kind of thrown out the window. And I know Foster kind of had a, a shaky offseason when he broke his hand. Uh, also frustrated that someone, I guess, damaged his bumper and didn't leave a note was the story. So um, there's been issues off the field a little bit with him. But I think overall, uh, I love what this coaching staff has done and come in and just basically uh, put every starting role up for grabs and you had to compete and uh, throughout practices and things like that. So I'm curious to see what happens moving forward, but that was definitely a shocker. It felt very similar to the Anthony Cook situation. Exactly. Um, You know, it's it's something that's, you know, even going into the offseason, you know, Jawan Mitchell, he was leaving, he's not leaving. Anthony Cook, he's leaving, he's not leaving. Uh, You know, and then then you have the situation with B.J. Foster, which I understand, but uh, the only thing I would say is don't make a – permanent decision for a temporary problem 
Right. Um, obviously, yeah, it's frustrating. You're you're beating a team fifty nine to three, and you can't get any playing time. You played a total of eight snaps in that game, um, according to Pro Football Focus. When I looked at those numbers, so yeah, that's that's a tough situation all the way around. But you know that that was that was kind of like the we, we were riding high Sunday morning. You know, after that huge win, and then the the Foster news hits, and it's like, so what are we doing, guys? I mean, yeah, things uh, are never as uh, perfect as they seem, but no, hopefully they, they can hopefully they can smooth smooth all of this out moving forward. I, I think though, like I can see it from his perspective. You know, all these recruiting services have me as a five star guy, and and I can't play. You know, I can't start. Mm-hmm. I can't get. You know, and maybe it's not so much starting, but it's getting ample playing time, and which he didn't. But obviously, like you said, you know, Chris Ash coming in, he has no allegiances to any of these guys. Right, exactly. You want to play, you're going to have to earn it, which is what we saw. You know, I mean, Anthony Cook, you could have said, you know, he's the incumbent starter. At the spur mm-hmm. position, Chris Ash comes in, he sees Chris Adamore, he goes, hey, Adamore is my guy. You know, he's, he's exactly. starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same thing on the outside. I mean, we all thought uh, Kenyatta Watson was a lock or Jalen Green was a lock to play outside corner. Uh, and then Josh Thompson comes in and, oh, by the way, only had like the best game of any defense. I know. He, uh, he was one of the most pleasant surprises in that secondary against UTEP. He was the highest rated player according to PFF. They gave him a 92.2 rating for that game. Wow. And he had that really athletic um, interception, too. And I think also to add to your point, we know how much Herman loves practice players. So I think something must be going on within the um, competition throughout practices and things like that in order for Foster to not receive that playing time. So, um, yeah, you have to practice hard. You have to put your all out there. You have to be ready to compete against your uh, own teammates, really, to win those uh, I guess, and we've even heard Herman within his uh, teleconferences uh, months ago saying uh, the people who, um, I guess, you know, I, I don't even know, put in the most effort throughout practices will get rewarded for it. And I think we saw that, for example, with Kai Money, a walk-on, and all the all his teammates were saying how, how hard he's been working in practice and how he deserved that moment. And so I think that plays a large role into uh, production on the field. Yeah, I, I think it does. Um, so, I mean, I mean, we'll keep we'll keep a watch of the situation, but as of now, BJ Foster is still with the team, regardless of everything that went on between Saturday and Sunday. That was a weird twenty four hours. Uh, as far as football, there was uh, three Big Twelve teams have yet to make their start uh, to the twenty twenty season. Uh, this weekend, we were actually get to see two of them: Oklahoma State and Tulsa will finally play after their game was postponed due to COVID-19 outbreak for the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes. Uh, That game will kick off at 11 a.m. Central time on ESPN. Uh, I'm kind of, you know, I'm interested to watch this game, mostly because Oklahoma State is kind of viewed as a team that could challenge Texas for that second spot in the Big 12 championship this coming season. And I kind of want to see what, you know, Spencer Sanders looks like. How does Tuba look? Uh, Tylen Wallace, you get that offense together. I mean, we expect big things from that offense, but I kind of want to see how they look there, and I want to see how they're looking on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I was kind of sad that we didn't get to obviously watch them play this past weekend. But, yeah, like you mentioned, that's – and I've said this very vocally. They're the team I'm most worried about playing. For some reason, I think Texas will do fine against Oklahoma. It's those uh, powerful playmakers on offense that Oklahoma State has that uh, worries me most, I guess, with our defense. Um I think it'll probably be a shootout in Stillwater, and that uh, worries me a little bit. But 
um, yeah, I'm very excited to watching them play. Yeah, I think that's, I think you're dead on. And, and it's funny, uh, if you listen to Friday's episode, we had Eric Metcalf on and, you know, he agreed with me. The, the Oklahoma State game is the one that we're worried about. Um, the other game, and this is the interesting one, Houston versus Baylor, 11 a.m. kickoff on Fox. Uh, here's the interesting part about that. What? We talk, we hear all the time, we can't schedule these games because it takes a year in advance. This game came together in a matter of days. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to hear no more BS about, oh, well, we schedule these games, you know, years in advance. Well, how about we do away with that and you schedule it in each offseason because obviously it doesn't take that long to put it together. Exactly. So Baylor and Houston were able to come together. Um, so that's going to be an interesting game. Uh, right now, Baylor's favored by seven. Uh, but I think it's going to be a tough game for Baylor on their opening opening kickoff this weekend. I think it is, too, and I think it's really going to um, help us determine, I guess, uh, how Baylor's going to look moving forward because they're kind of, I guess, in most Big 12 predictions right now around the middle of the pack in terms of the Big 12. They're kind of that uh, question mark team, and I think along with TCU uh, that we don't know exactly how strong they're going to come out, so I'll definitely be tuning into that one. Yeah, when is TCU going to play some football? Are they waiting until the opening game? Uh, I guess they're going to wait until Big 12 play because uh, I haven't heard anything about SMU versus TCU picking back up. Maybe it happens this year. Maybe it doesn't. So that's going to do it for this edition of the Lockdown Longhorns podcast. Make sure you tell your smart device play this latest edition of the Lockdown College Football podcast. We're coming at you every Monday through Friday. Uh, but make sure you come back tomorrow to the Lockdown Longhorns podcast for more Texas Longhorn coverage for Cammy and Patrick. And as always, keep it locked on. Hook them.